Coming to you from 27 miles west of downtown Chicago, Illinois, you're listening to 27 West, produced by the congregations of Wheaton Bible Church and Iglesia de Pueblo in West Chicago, Illinois, and Tri-Village Church, our campus in nearby Streamwood. Our purpose is to make this very large body of Christ a little smaller as we meet and learn from one another. Welcome to 27 West Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Murray, and today I'm joined by our special co-host, Kelly Thomas, live music by Amy Mueller, and today we are joined by our very special guest, Mark Farrell. How's everyone doing today? We're doing great. Thanks hey, for having doing me. Great. Kelly, Glad welcome welcome to the show. Welcome to 27 West. Thanks, Scott. It's a privilege. Now, before we go to Mark, our guest, Kelly, who, who are you and why are you here? That's what we want to know. Why well, did we I'm pick here Kelly? because Amy Salava ended up getting married. That's go right. Figure. She is on her honeymoon as we speak right yeah, now. She's definitely not listening to this right now. She thought about doing it um, over the phone, but we like, no, that probably wouldn't be good. Yeah, I'm sure Caleb is happy. But you, you have a role here in the church, and that is? I am the women's ministry director. All right. And you're doing a great job. Why, thanks. Coming I, from a man, that means a lot to hey, me. Hey, you, you are doing a great job. Thank you. Yeah. And we're glad you're here. So just kind of uh, go with the flow. Awesome. I think you can do that. So, Mark, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Now, Mark, you are you're a good friend. So yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna just assume I don't know much about you. Tell us about you. Who is Mark? Um, your family, who you are, why you're here, who you are in the church, that sort of stuff. All right. So uh, I've been a, my wife and I have been a part of the church since 2000. Okay. I guess that's about 18 years yeah. now when we moved up to back to the Chicago area. We have four kids. We have Kyla, who is 15, Elise, 14. Mm-hmm. We have one boy, Ethan, who's 10, and Adeline, or Diddle, Diddle. as everyone she knows is so her. Cute. Diddle. Diddle. All There's got to be great. a story to that. There is. So Adeline is eight, and... Have you seen the movie Mary Poppins? Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah. Okay, and everyone knows the song Super Califragilistic. Expialidocious. There we go. I knew song. I knew Scott would break the song there. Yeah. Um, but the beginning of that song is Um Did a Little Little Um Did a Line. Yeah. And so when she was first born, her name was Adeline Diddleine. And somehow over the course of time, everything else got dropped but Diddle. Oh. And so now whenever someone meets her and says, What's your name? She says, Diddle. She Aww. does. And in preschool, Esther Erickson had her, and she said, "What's your name?" Diddle. And Esther said, "Um, is that your real name?" "Yep, it's Diddle." <laughs> That's awesome. And so Esther was praying for all the kids, and she said, "And God loves Diddle." Oh my gosh, that is so cute. He does love Diddle, and she's so cool. She she's, and Sam are Sam's good age. friends. Yeah, they're probably gonna get married. That would be just fine okay, with us. Okay, let's work that out. Arrange marriages. We're bringing them back. In like twenty years, <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> that would work. So, Mark, and so you're your husband, you're a father, um, you're also one of the elders of our church. I am. How, yes. How many years have you been doing that? I've been an elder for four years. I'm in my fifth year now. Mm-hmm. So we serve for three years, and then we can serve for three more. And you're also a pilot trainer for Southwest. But let, let's talk about you being an elder. What's what's the best part about being an elder of Wheaton Bible? Best part about being an elder is I get to really interact with the people and find out their biggest joys and their biggest sorrows. Mm-hmm. I'm there for um, hard times when people are frustrated. I can be there for that uh, to give them a place to 
soundboard right. and to dialogue through different things. But also the biggest joy of being an elder is to be there when they're brand new members and they are so excited to be here mm-hmm. and to be a part and to hear their story. And um, those are my two favorite parts about being an elder, even though the one may seem like a negative, yeah. but it gives them a chance to talk through and uh, especially when two families perhaps are having difficulties, I can be there to interject and be there in between. And the joy of seeing them go from sort of arch rivals to everybody's getting along at the end yeah. um, is a joy. I love part of the part of that story that I absolutely love is your willingness and just right out there with the fact that being in the church is still being in the world and there's still hardship and conflict and mm-hmm. yet you willingly walk through with people through all it, of that. It's messy. It yeah. is. But, it, but we're all sinners saved by grace. I, I've heard it yeah. say that, that ministry would be a lot easier if people weren't involved. <laughs> but there'd be, it, there'd be no ministry. That's the, <laughs> or ministers. That's right. In my job, flight attendants often say, often say that this airline would be much easier if there were no passengers. That's true. <laughs> exactly. Think, yeah. You'd still have to fly the plane. So speaking of, tell us about, so how did you start out with South? Did you start out with Southwest? How did you become what you are and what's your official role with Southwest Airlines? Yeah, so I've been at Southwest for 18, 17 years now. Mm-hmm. And uh, prior to that, flew for smaller airlines, um, American Transair, ATA, mm-hmm. which is no longer, and some other airlines. Um, there was a six-month stint that I was actually in the jungles of the Philippines working wow. with uh, missionary, uh, I'm sorry, with Wycliffe. Bible. I didn't. Did you know this? I did not This know is that. great. Tell us about that. Well, I went to school to become a missionary pilot. That's what I wanted to do. That's and awesome. so I did all the training and I went to school for that and went to the Philippines for six months as an internship with Wycliffe. Um, their aviation division is called JARS, Jungle Aviation and Radio Service. And so I was in the Philippines and and learned what that life is like. Mm-hmm. Came back, got a little more experience, and then I went down to their headquarters and took a two-week testing. And at the end of two-week testing, they said, you did not pass. Oh. And I looked at the last six years of, of what I had been doing, gearing up towards that, and thought, Lord, now what? But I think what I realized after a few weeks of really wrestling through that is God is much more concerned about who I am than what I do. And it really changed the course of who I am and um, my career. Well, that's so, awesome. Wow. So I started getting into avi- aviation through some smaller um, airlines and then Southwest, like I said, 17 years ago. And about three years ago, I became um, one of the pilots who trained pilots. Okay. And that's a lot of fun. Why, what is fun about that? You get to see people, um, just like with the new member interviews, you get to see people when they're in their very first day. And for a lot of them, it's their very first time flying a 737. Um, And they, Southwest is a fun place to work. It's a fun place to be, and people really want to be there. So the guys in the seat that I'm training are really excited to be there. Yeah. And um, it's just great to see them go from, basically they're holding onto the tail, they're so far behind, the first couple of days and then the third or fourth day they're really getting it and they figure this out and especially guys that haven't been in an airline before southwest is known for a pretty quick turn so things happen pretty quick when you land between the time you land and the time you take off again there's a lot of stuff happening right and the guys like i said are really behind at first but then as you teach them and you teach them little shortcuts and tricks right uh, they figure it out now do you do you get off the plane um in those turns 
I can. Yeah. Okay. I can. And I encourage the guys I'm training to get off the airplane, right. but oftentimes they're deer in the headlights. <laughs> trying to figure it yeah, out. Yeah, trying to figure it all out. But what did I just do? Let's undo that. Yeah. But uh, no, it's usually we have about a half hour to get everything prepped for the next flight. And, um, and most of the guys do great. Uh, in fact, one of the guys I trained just recently, uh, he was so patient. And what I found out later was he was very humble because I was carefully explaining the walk around, you know, teaching him everything around the outside of the airplane mm-hmm. and very methodically teaching him. And that night he was commenting that he had flown the Trump family after the inauguration. And uh, he had told me what he flew before, but he gave it in a military term that I had never heard before because I wasn't military. And so I said, what did you fly for the military? And he said, oh, 737. And it turned out he's been actually flying the 737 for the military for 20 years, which is longer than I've been flying at Southwest. So <laughs> he knew more about the airplane. He had been training the military pilots in the 737 <laughs> really? for years. So he was actually more experienced than but I was. But he was humble about it. He was. He was very humble, and we had so, a good laugh after that. So that that's a question. So so pilots, they walk around the plane to make sure, like they kind of so-called kick the tires? Is that yeah, what they do? Yeah, kick the tires. Um, you're not a mechanic, so you're not expected to know every detail. But they're, one of the main things you're looking for would be leaks, uh, mm-hmm. any oil leaks or fuel leaks, uh, bird strikes. That happens a lot. Um, in fact, I was as we were getting rid of our older airplane, I was the last airplane, the last flight of an airplane because I hit a Pelican huh. going into San Francisco. So, but we we heard that and we felt that, and but that's the type of thing. Typically, you we would hit maybe small birds, but things like that. Now, now Kelly, like we, you fly, I fly. Um, I like Southwest. I like that you can pick your own seat. I think that's pretty great. Um, there, Only if you pay for the early bird thing. No, I mean I'm the guy that will get like B five. <laughs> And I'm I'm fine with that, yeah. um, but there there's some mysteries about what happens. Don't you ever wonder like what's going on up there? Totally, totally. Like for example, I really want to know who comes up with the one-liners or the little jokes that the guy on the microphone is That's always right. making some cute story. That. As a matter of fact, we got on a Southwest flight with my mom recently, and no one did the joke. Uh oh. And she genuinely felt like she deserved her money back. She got chipped. Because what happened? To the, the jokes. jokes. Yeah. Well, usually that's up to the flight attendant, okay. and then they learn it. And several of the flight attendants, uh, in fact, one of them I had had been on Jay Leno two or three times. He does the whole thing in a rap, and he is so talented. And I flew with him in a rather difficult flight where we were delayed and we diverted, and we were almost five hours late getting into New York LaGuardia. Yet, fortunately, I had this flight attendant with me, and he was able to take these people who were five hours late and they were getting off the airplane and they were clapping and they were laughing and they were singing along with him. So it's being able to take a really bad situation and turn it around. He did a great job. But that's all up to the flight attendants. Now, do you do, okay, are there people that still try to smoke on, on flights? And I, what happens? Do they, is there a shoot that they've, you like, <laughs> do they fall into? I mean, what? Every once in a while it happens. In fact, I think it just happened on another airline just in the last couple of weeks. And there's a smoke detector there. And if that goes off, um, we know what they've been doing in, in right. the lavatory. And right. Usually we have to land the airplane right away and they are escorted off. Do you really? Yeah. When did, when did smoking get banned on flights? I think that was the early 80s. Yeah. Um, maybe late 70s. Because I kind of remember there being, not me smoking because I was like, what, 10, but 
Um, but there was, I remember smoking on flights. But it was always so funny because you would have the smoking section and the non-smoking section. Right. And on an airplane, that air will all, all get circulated anyway. Yeah, so weird. what's the difference? Yeah, and there's ashtrays right. on seats. That's so weird to me. Yeah. Right. We've come a long way. Flight, now flying has changed a lot. Um, um, like some major differences after 9-11 happened. What were some of those differences for you as a pilot that maybe we didn't know about? Or maybe you can't tell us, but. Oh, no. Um, well, we always loved to have people come up to the cockpit in between. And I think it was hard because after 9-11, people thought they couldn't even approach the cockpit in between flights. And that's how I became a pilot, how I became a commercial pilot is I, when I was 10, I went up to the cockpit and the pilot showed me around and I loved it. Right. And that sort of stirred that interest in me. And so after 9-11, for several months, people were just afraid to even approach. And the kids would come up and the parents would grab their hand. Right. And I happened to be in class with um, a recurrent class with the VP of, of flight ops. And he said, if we stop allowing kids to come up in the airline, we sh- in the cockpit, we shouldn't be an airline anymore. Now, I, 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 it's, it was either a joke or a story or I might have heard it. In real time, so forgive me on this one, but I, I remember, or maybe maybe I don't remember, but one of the pilots saying um, that he was a follower of Christ, and if the rapture came, um, that we should all pray and receive Jesus or something like that. Maybe it was like an old pastor joke. Yeah. In case the rapture comes, let's all bow our heads. And that's kind of like a, a weird way of me asking you, um, as a Christ follower and a pilot, how are you able to interject your faith into your work? Well, interestingly. We often get paired up with the same pilot for the whole month, and mm-hmm. so you really get to know him. And oftentimes you're up there, just the two of you, for four or five hours, and twiddling your thumbs doesn't last very long. So right. you, it's great to interact and find out. And oftentimes they'll, especially if they're going through a hard time, it's a great time for me to just ask probing questions. And oftentimes I'll say, hey, I'll be praying for you. And then as I see them again later on, I can follow up with that. Right. And several different conversations have resulted from that. But I think the most interesting was not actually in the cockpit. Um, it started with, I, I landed in Las Vegas, and I, as soon as I could turn my phone on, I called Julie, and I said, I was able to share Christ with a prostitute. Oh. And oh. she knows wow. I'm in Las Vegas, and so she said, okay, back up. That's not how we start a conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not good. But <laughs> it was, I was sitting in the back for a flight from Phoenix to... Um, Las Vegas, mm-hmm. and oftentimes we just do what's called deadheading. That means we're just being relocated between the different cities. Yeah. And so I was able to sit in the back, and the captain, this is when I was a co-pilot, the captain was sitting on the aisle, and I was sitting next to a window. And a girl, one of the last girls to come back, who was a C, and C at Southwest stands for? Center. Center seat, of course. Right. So she came back, and she said, oh, I get to sit with pilots. And she was going to Las Vegas to work. And she sat down and she told me all about her job and that she goes to Las Vegas on the weekends. But as we started to talk and I shared with her my faith, she started to weep and tell me all about how she had started off in a Christian home and had wandered from Christ. And as an adult now, she was just laying it all out there and and asking me to pray for her. And it was just, it was an interesting time to reintroduce her to Christ after several years of wandering in the desert. And did she make any kind of commitment or anything? There were... On the airplane, she said she would, but 
it's not the type of phone number I wanted to keep, so right. we didn't exchange phone numbers. Yeah. But um, I just hope someday I see her in heaven. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. Well, thanks for f- keeping the airways safe and training our pilots. Happy. We're gonna thank you. We're gonna change it up a little bit here, Mark. We're okay. gonna ask you a couple questions, um, a couple segments. Let's say for some reason you were a castaway on a desert, or is it deserted? We haven't decided. Is it deserted or desert island? Deserted. How about a deserted desert island? All right. Here's a question. I'm gonna ask you too, Kelly. Oh, what okay. what Bible character would you want to have with you? Moses. Okay. Why? Because then he could part the sea and we could walk home. Oh, that's pretty good. That's good. I'm just going for Jesus. Jesus? Yeah. He could walk me home on the water. That's right. You could actually walk with him. That's right. If he commands you to. If I keep to. my eyes on him. I, my answer is always Noah because he could build a boat. Oh, and yeah, then, that's good too. Yeah. But how long would it take? hundred I mean, years. I mean, but the thing is, I would want to be on the island with Noah for a long time just to talk oh, with yeah. him. Oh, yeah. Ask him questions. Yeah, I that, like our answers a lot better. Okay, fine. That's good. You guys win. Okay, here here's another segment, All and right. this is um, we we like to do this. It's our soapbox segment, and we have some theme music for that too. So, like, what is there one thing that you could get on a soapbox for right now? It could be positive. It could be negative. It could be serious. It could be funny. And Kelly, why don't you go first? Like, what is something that you're standing on a soapbox for right now? Well, if you ask my adult children, they'll tell you how crazy I'm making them talking about the Enneagram. Okay. Are you familiar yeah, with it? Yeah, I, I am familiar. I mean, I cannot be in anyone's company more than 20 minutes without bringing it up. I think it's even almost making me crazy. Yeah. Now, are, what are, what Explain are you? Explain that. Yeah. What's the, an Enneagram? Oh, it's, a, it's an ancient um, personality profile. Um, with nine different types, and you have wings, and you have stresses, and you have healthy. Um, it's such a great way. But the big thing is, is they say if you understand yourself and other people, you will have more compassion, and your relationships will truly be changed in every area when you have more true, honest compassion. Okay. I, yeah. I think that about a year ago, Julie introduced me to this, and yeah. I had forgotten the name of it. I thought you were talking about some sort of an emoji. No. Yeah. It's definitely not an emoji. Definitely um, So are, are you as far as, as like being able to guess what people are? I am not. Th- uh, no. But there are some people who are just clearly obvious. Right, like those eights. <laughs> yes, yeah. I married an eight. Okay. Yes, for so sure. You, yeah. Yeah. All right, that that's good. How about you, Mark? Oh, my soapbox. Um, well, for me, um, people who know me often say that I have a palate of a twelve-year-old boy, and so I often, when I am on the road, Julie says, "Oh, where did you eat tonight? Subway." Oh yeah. You ate oh. at Subway again? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know what I'm going to get there. It's it easy. Works. <laughs> it it's works. It's predictable. But as I'm on the road. My soapbox would be if anyone is ever on their phone when while they are ordering their subway, I just think that is the rudest possible way that you can be to someone who's there to serve you. And so just over the course of my career, I've gotten several free sandwiches because if anyone in front of me in line is on their phone and then they hold up their finger to say, wait one moment, I will kindly look at them and say, 
please get off your phone or get out of line. And I say oh, it very wow. politely, wow. but there's a startled look on their faces, and the person behind the counter always gives me a big smile and usually buys my food for me after well, that. Well, yeah, you're now, their new so. best friend. Are you, are you wearing your pilot yeah. uniform? So maybe that has some gravitas, yeah. I guess. So <laughs> There's something about a pilot in, his, like, in their uniform. You just think that they're And what's really awkward something. is when I'm greeting the passengers as they're boarding, and I see that person getting onto my airplane. Oh. And then they hang their head very low. Oh. Yeah, wow. Can I skip back to an airplane question? Oh, oh, hey, this is 27 West. Okay. We can do that. So I have to know, how okay. real is it that old, old SNL skit with David Spade and whoever else was doing it when they stood, the, the pilot and the flight attendant stood at the front of the plane and every single person who walked off the plane, each one got a bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye. Do you guys ever catch yourself doing that? I, I think I say, thank you, have a good day, thank you, have a good day. and But repetitive, it's thanks, thanks for flying, thanks, thanks for flying, yeah. have a great day, thanks for flying. Yeah. But I usually don't say bye-bye. <laughs> but I should start doing that because I do remember the sketch. That's yeah. funny. Anybody who's my age or older would totally get it. Yeah. <laughs> and probably chuckle. So, Mark, I actually am pretty good friends with your wife, Julie. She's yes. awesome. Says a lot about you that you Thank would pick you. a woman so wonderful. She is wonderful. But one one of the ways that I know her is because she, um, along with you, because she volunteers her time to be a neighborhood Bible club host. And you, you might want to tell our audience what that means yeah, what, and what, what is, is that? that like for you and your family. Well, for us, it started um, very small. About, I think it was 10 years ago, and we had 12 kids in, in our basement because it rained all week. And so we had, in our basement, we had the story in one corner and the crafts in another corner and the game in another corner, and it worked mm -hmm. out just fine. Sounds pleasant. It was. And then it's, it's grown. It's evolved. It's evolved, yes. And it's so interesting, though, how it evolves because each year in early May, we don't have that many kids and we think oh maybe this will be a small year right and what happens is on the playground kids start talking about it 
they say, are you going to neighborhood Bible clubs? Right. And they say, I don't know. And I, mom, moms talk to other moms. And, exactly. Right. And so word starts to spread. And it's usually the kids that come home and say, mom, everyone's going to the Farrell's house for this neighborhood Bible club. What is it? And so each year in May, we get Julie Fields, literally hundreds of emails from people saying, my kid came home and they're talking about this and we have no idea what it is. Can we be a part? And so that, I think that's what's amazing for us is that it's not Wheaton Bible Church families. There are some, but there are mostly just kids in the neighborhood, kids that go to our kids' schools, which is what our passion is, is to have a chance to live in the trenches with our neighbors and to introduce them to Christ. Right. And what's amazing is these songs that Amy over there hey, Amy. puts together and choreographs, and these kids are learning straight scripture, right. and they're memorizing right. it, and then they're going home, and they're singing these songs. Nonstop. And then the coolest part is sometimes it happens that year, sometimes it's one or two years later. The parents start contacting us saying, our kids are asking us questions, and we don't know the answers. What is all this about? Hmm. And that's where it takes it to the next level. Wow. And, and so do you still fit in your basement? We don't. We take up. It's it's a whole neighborhood right. thing because the city, uh, the police in Wheaton, let us shut down the street. Our neighbors are all on board. They move their cars out of their driveways before Bible Club starts. We put a basketball hoop in the drive in the street, and we have literally a hundred plus volunteers mm -hmm. that come and help with this. And we do the opening singing in our backyard and then the Petermans, Lance and Lisa, who go to our church also, they live right behind us and they're gracious enough to let everyone, you know, walk through their backyard and do story in their front yard. And then we go down to the park and we rent the park for game time. And Leslie Brown runs all the games and keeps all these kids active for 40 minutes. And then each, what we do is we take K through six and split them into three different groups. And Julie and Leslie have this well-choreographed system of every 40 minutes, the kids go from either craft to story or story to game. And you see all these shirts, like I'm wearing right now, walking around the neighborhood, going in this circle through our neighborhood between craft and story and games. And this year you had about, what, 200 and Yeah, we had about 290 kids. Wow. Through that's that's not through the basement six, so. anymore. That's awesome. No, to see how we would love it if they would yeah. fit in our basement, but that would be really cramped. That would be a really yeah. big house. Yeah, but that's really not probably, probably wouldn't work. No, but it, I mean, the another amazing thing is to see how God handles the weather. One of the times that we looked at the forecast and we said, oh, we really need to cancel thunder and lightning in the forecast, and right. we did. And the Lord had it rain, I'm convinced, had it rain until 9 o'clock, and then it stopped until 11.30. And then it started raining again. And after that, we were able to see that God is in control yep. of the weather. Weather. Mm. In fact, Scott, you don't know this, but the devotional you wrote about flipping upside down in the car just on Monday. Yeah. When I woke up on Monday morning, it said rain, and it was raining. And at 4 in the morning when Julie and I are up and praying for Bible clubs, we're looking at the forecast saying, oh, no, what are we going to do? And then I read your devotional. <laughs> God is in control. Yeah. And sure enough, the rain stopped, and it's been a beautiful week. And so I don't think we will ever again cancel because God is in control of the weather. He is. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Well, Mark, thank you for coming and being a guest on our show. 
happy to be here. This Kelly, was a lot of fun. And Kelly, thank you for, for co-hosting. Well, thanks for letting me sit in Amy's chair. Well, it was good. Well, to find out more about our podcast and subscribe, head over to 27westpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram at 27westpodcast. 27 West is sponsored by Southwest Airlines Snack Bags. Thanks to Josh Dix, Amy Mueller, and Scott Murray for allowing me to be a part of this team. It was great. I'm Kelly, and we'll see you guys next time. Have a great day.